Well, this morning, uh, I want us to answer the question, what do you do when the world around you falls apart? I think all of us have times when we feel like our worlds are chaotic and crazy and a mess and our worlds fall apart. And uh, I was reading a story a few years ago in the Chicago Tribune, and I came across this story uh, about a man named Lou Wee. Um, it was a Monday afternoon, about 2.28 in the afternoon, and he was sitting at his desk doing his work uh, when the world around him literally fell apart. You see, uh, Lou uh, lived in China, and if you remember, uh, a number of years ago, China was hit with a, an earthquake that took thousands of lives. Lou Wee walked home just to see how his family was doing, and as he was walking home, there were emergency vehicles passing him by, and he had a lot of hope because he saw some six-story buildings that were still in shape. But then when he got to the place where his apartment building was, where his, his wife of 10 years, uh, Chen Young, was, she was in their th- three-bedroom apartment um, on the second floor, and she had died in the earthquake because it became um, uh, de- destroyed. Uh, immediately, he went to the elementary school where uh, his son was, uh, his nine-year-old son, uh, Lu um, Yezong, um, and just to tell his son, you know, the bad news about his mom. And, and when he went to, to find his son's school, he saw that his son's school was also in rubble because his son also had been killed in this earthquake. Now, Lu, we said this uh, to the um, re- media, he said, what do I have left in the world? Lou's world fell apart in one afternoon. Now, what do we do when our world falls apart? Um, Most likely, none of our worlds are going to fall apart by an earthquake, but maybe it's some other trial or crisis in your life. I also have had the privilege over the years of being involved in uh, different campus ministries, whether it's Caneland High School or Middle School or Oswego High School. And a few years ago, I was uh, part of the Oswego High School Bible Club, and uh, there was a Christian teacher there. His name was Mr. Pelzer. And, and at the end of every year, he does a survey with his students. And he asks his students uh, this one question. He says, if you really knew me, you would know that. And they'd fill in the blank. And he did it with two of his classes. One was just kind of one of his regular classes. And one of one was, was his honors class. You know, the kinds of kids that supposedly have everything together, right? Because they're in honors classes. But this is what some of them said. Um, some of them were lighthearted. Uh, they said, if you really knew me, you would know that I don't like eating in front of people. If you really knew me, you'd know that I'm a baseball fanatic. If you really knew me, you'd know that I hate cats. If you really knew me, you'd know that I have a crush on, and they fill in the blank. If you really knew me, you'd know that I can pop my shoulder out of its socket. If you really knew me, my dream is to be a rock star in a metal band. So those are kind of the lighthearted ones. But the next statements, uh, however, gave some indications that some of these high school students' world was falling apart. Now, if I didn't tell you they were high school students, they probably could be you and I in some of these situations. Um, And so this is what some of them said. If you really knew me, you would know that I have no confidence in myself. If you really knew me, you'd know that I'm extremely self-conscious. If you really knew me, you'd know that my mom had three cancers. If you really knew me, you'd know that my family has been through a lot. If you really knew me, you'd know at times I feel like I have absolutely no one. If you really knew me, you'd know that I don't get along with some people because they joke around about my race too much. If you really knew me, you'd know that me and my mom don't get along and she drinks and that's why we don't get along. If you really knew me, you'd know I'd feel like I've never been good enough. If you really knew me, you'd know I suffer from depression. If you really knew me, you'd know I hate the way I look. 
If you really knew me, you'd know that my family is really messed up. If you really knew me, you'd know that I'm depressed and fight with my mom all the time. And if you really knew me, you know I miss my mom every day after she passed away. And I bet some of us here can identify with some of those statements. And we feel like when we identify with that, that our world does seem to be falling apart. So, but there's a lot of hope in God's word and in God himself. And I want you to take your Bibles and open to Psalm 46. And we're going to answer that question. What do we do when the world around us falls apart? So Psalm 46, uh, let me read that psalm. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So the first thing we need to do when our world is falling apart is we need to run to God for shelter. We need to run to God for shelter. And it's in verses 1 to 7. Now, what is Psalm 46 talking about, and why should we run to God? If you look at the end of verse 1, you see that the word troubles in there. It says that, my God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Now, what does this word trouble mean? It literally means a narrow or tight place. It, it, you ever heard the expression between a rock and a hard place? That's really what it means. It's the strong emotional um, response that one experiences when we're pressed externally by our enemies or internally by wrong decisions or passions. The Hebrew word indicates intense inner turmoil, and I think we all understand that when something's going on in our life and we just feel this inner turmoil and that's all we think about, that's all we're consumed about, that's what it's feeling like, this trouble. It describes the anguish of a people besieged by an enemy that's coming to attack them or it's comparable to uh, the pain of a woman bearing her first child. Um, it defines the quality of time when Judah suffers her severest punishment for violating the covenant with God. Now, here's something really fascinating. If you look back at Psalm 46, you see the superscription right below Psalm 46 before verse 1, and you see who writes this. It says, the sons of Korah, for the directed music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. And so... The interesting thing is that they sang this psalm, and, and it really meant a lot to them because um, in verse 2 it says, We will not fear, though the earth give way. And if you remember Israel's history, in number 16, uh, Korah and Dathan and Abiram and 250 men, they all rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And Korah and his followers were instructed to stand before the Lord in front of the tent of meeting and as they stand, do you remember what happened? God opened up the earth, and it swallowed Korah and, and 250 men and their families. Now, let me read to you Numbers 26, 9 to 11. It says, And the sons of Eliab and Nemuel, Dathan and Abiram, the same Dathan and Abiram, were the community officials who rebelled against Moses and Aaron and were among Korah's followers when they rebelled against the Lord. 
The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them along with Korah, whose followers died when the fire devoured the 250 men, and they served as a warning sign. The line of Korah, however, did not die out. So really, here it is. These are the great, great, great grandsons of Korah, the line that didn't die out. And here they're writing Psalm 46. And so when they're talking about the, we will not fear though the earth gave way, they can reflect on the fact that their great-great-grandfather Korah understood what it was like when, because of his rebellion, the earth opened up and consumed him. So I want to ask you um, this. Is there some trouble that you're dealing with today? Then run to God because, as verse 1 says, he is our refuge and our strength. Now what does it mean, refuge? You see that in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. Now to seek refuge stresses the insecurity and self-helplessness of even the strongest men. Now, have you ever seen like a really big, strong guy feel insecure? I mean, they may appear strong, but even big, strong guys have insecurities. And that's what it means, a refuge, um, that even they can feel that. It emphasizes a defensive or external aspect of salvation in God. Now, what does it mean for strength? Strength is in it the inherent attribute of God that he himself is our strength. Here's the thing. God is our refuge. He hides us. And God is our strength. He helps us. Now, at times, we need a refuge. And sometimes we know life is crazy and the, the storms are blowing outside and raging. And I think we can even identify even with, you know, weather changes. Sometimes we're outside in the summertime and we're at a picnic or we're out camping. And all of a sudden, the storm comes in. We seek refuge in a shelter, right? Well, the same thing happens in, in our relationship with God. When the trials in life and the storms of life come... We need to run to God as our refuge. And here's the thing. It's, it's not a sin to hide, but it's a sin to stay hidden. What God wants to do is he wants to hide us so that he can help us so that we can go back out and return to the battle and face the storm. It's not about be, having an escape, but a rejuvenation to be strengthened by the Lord in those times. Now, so you've seen, some of you have seen my children here. I have a nine-year-old boy named Jack and Three daughters, Evelyn is eight, and Gwen is five, and Penelope's two and a half. And, and sometimes Jack, uh, he likes to have fun with his sisters and chase them around the house. And sometimes they'll run to me and they'll, they'll seek refuge. And, Daddy, Daddy, will you protect me? You know, protect me from Jack and they'll hide behind me. And that's really the image that God wants us to do, just like little children. God wants us to run to him to be our refuge. Now, Warren Wearsby says this, God is our refuge, so we need not fear but God is also a river, so we need not faint. One of the, uh, my classes when I went to seminary a number of years ago was uh, we had the privilege, we had a choice of either we could write our, our paper for our master's degree on, uh, like on some big topic, or we could go to Israel. So what do you think I chose, doing a big paper or go to Israel? So I, went, I ended up going to Israel. And little did I know when I visited the Holy Land how much critical water was there, just the need for water. Without water, almost nothing can exist. Um, Jerusalem is one of the uh, great ancient cities that wasn't founded on a river. It wasn't until Hezekiah dug the tunnels into Jerusalem that Jerusalem had a water source within the city walls. And the psalmist says here that though Jerusalem is not situated by a river, it has a river and it comes from the holy place, from the throne of God. If you look back at verses 4 and 5 of Psalm 46, it says this, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. 
That's great for uh, the Israelites in Jerusalem, but what about for you and I? And you know what Jesus says for you and I? This is great news. In John 7, verses 37 to 39, Jesus, it says this about Jesus. On the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus offers all of us this this living water, this river of life. But how do we tap into that living water? And I would be remiss to assume that everyone here knows Jesus. And I want to, if you don't hear anything else in this message, and you're here this morning... I want to share with you the best news and the way you even start that relationship with Jesus, with God, is, is understanding this, that God created you and I for a relationship with him. But we all have this problem called sin. And our sin separates us from God, and, and sin can't be removed by good deeds. No matter how hard we try, good deeds can't remove that sin. That's the bad news. But the good news is this, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this earth. He was fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect life. And paying the price for your sin and my sin, Jesus died on the cross, and three days later, he rose from the dead. And everyone who puts their trust in Jesus alone has eternal life. And life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. And that life with Jesus that starts now talks about that living water, that he comes to live inside of us. He sends his spirit to live inside of us so that we can have that strength that comes directly from God. And that's the great news as Christians, as believers. Once we've trusted our life to Jesus, we now have, we can tap into his strength. And I want to ask you this morning, if you're here and you've never placed your trust in Jesus, and maybe you've come to church a long time, but this morning you say, boy, I really want a relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you to talk with one of the elders or a friend that bought, brought you this morning to ask them how you can have that relationship with Jesus. It's only about putting your total trust in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross for your sins. So, the first thing is that we need to run to God for shelter when our world falls apart. The second thing is that we need to recognize how God is at work around you. When our world is falling apart, we need to recognize that God is at work around us. If you look back at verses 8 and 9, we see that in those verses. Um, It says, Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes the wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. I want to talk first a little bit about verse 9. It talks about the work that he does, that he makes the war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Now, in, in, in our country right here, we're not experiencing war, but I think we see all over the news and what's going on in the world, especially in the Middle East. There's always war and all kinds of things going on. And so we don't understand all the turmoil that they face. But here, the work that God does is, is, is that he just takes all the weapons of all the enemies and he basically destroys them. Now, the Roman poet Virgil alludes to a custom in his days that when a victorious army would, they would come to a city and they would be victorious, what they do is they would collect all the spoils of the war, so they would take all the, the arrows and the shields and the spears, and because there's probably too much to carry back with them, they would just take them in one big pile and they would just burn this pile. And the reason why they burned it is so that these weapons couldn't be used against them at a later date. And in essence, that's what, that's what God does. Is he destroys all these, these weapons. That's how awesome the work of the Lord is in, in verse 9. You know, I once had a, a conversation, though, with one of my unbelieving neighbors. And it was just a gorgeous day like today. 
And, uh, and he said, hey, isn't this such a gorgeous day? And, and I replied, I said, isn't God good? And he actually said, well, I was really thinking about Mother Nature. And then I replied, well, who do you think holds everything together? And he said, okay, I'll give it to God today. And so it was just an opportunity to talk a little bit about God and Jesus to him. But, you know, here's the thing. Even if someone doesn't know God, doesn't believe in God, um, creation, it just proclaims that God exists. If you look, if you look at Psalm 19, 1 to 4, it says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. And Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Now some of you are saying, okay, God is at work, but maybe you have trouble seeing God at work in your life. And sometimes I have some of my middle school or high school students, they say, you know, I just don't see God at work in my life. And I, and I just give them this little assignment. I say, take a little notebook, and at the end of each day, think about how God was at work that day. Just write one or two things that God is at work in that day. You know, John, 15, 5, John 5, 17 says this. Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. So God is always at work. Jesus is always at work. It's just a matter of us seeing what he's doing around us. My son Jack's sitting there, and every night before we go to bed, we always, we, 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 what I call special time. So he kind of has this loft bed, and I climb up there with him, and, and we talk about just the day, and, and we talk about Jesus, and we talk about a Bible story. And, but bef- and then we spend a time praying, and when we pray, uh, one of the things we always say, we just thank God for at least one thing that we saw God do that day. Um, you know, one of the things in our student ministry that we do is we, we do what's called Take Five for the Cause, and we really challenge our students to be out sharing the gospel with their friends. And so if Take Five for the Cause, the cause of Christ is telling our friends about Jesus so they can make disciples and make disciples. And I just love that time because it's, it's just showing God at work in our students' lives. They'll share stories about how they had opportunities to talk to friends about Jesus and how God opened their friends' hearts. Or maybe it was a tough situation and God didn't open their friends' heart, but at least God opened the door to at least talk to them about Jesus. We need to always be looking around us because God is always at work. I want you to take a moment right now, and I want you to even think about your own life. How was it God at work at your life even yesterday or the day before? I know there's some way that God was at work in your life. God is always at work around us. So when our world around us is falling apart, not only do we need to run to God for shelter, not only do we need to recognize how God is at work around you, but the third thing we need to do is rest in God's presence. Look at Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, the Hebrew word translated be still here literally means to take our hands off. You know, and God is saying, take your hands off and let, let me be God in your life. It's more the idea of just surrendering to God. And, and why are we to be still? It's so that, it says right there, so that God will be exalted, so that he will be exalted among the nations. It's not about us. It's all about God. The end goal is not the fact that I'm feeling safe, that I'm feeling protected and secure, but the end goal is that God is exalted in and through my life. So how is God exalted? You know, if we play the role of God in our lives, everything's going to fall apart. 
But if we let him truly be God in our lives and take our hands off everything that we want to control, he will be exalted. You know, we will, he will be with us and he will get the job done. Every situation in your life, even today, is a situation, an opportunity for God to be exalted and for him to get the glory. Now, there's an incredible account in Scripture in which we see Psalm 46 come to life. As a matter of fact, many scholars have said that Psalm 46 to 48 was a response to this following account of what God did in Israel's history. If you guys remember that uh, King Sennacherib was the king of Assyria, and he was conquering kingdom after kingdom after kingdom. And there was a time in Israel's history when Israel was divided. The, the ten tribes of Israel in the north and the two tribes of Judah were in the south. The nation was split. And so what Sennacherib did, he, he, he already had conquered the ten tribes of Israel in the north. Um, and now he's, he went down to Jerusalem in the south. And if you remember, Hezekiah was the king. And he's knocking on Jerusalem's door, and he's like, all right, I've conquered every other nation, every kingdom. I'm, I'm going to come conquer you. And uh, so Sennacherib sent this threatening message to Hezekiah. He insulted God and saying, hey, look, all these other countries around me, none of their gods save them. What makes you, King Hezekiah, think that your God is going to save you? So here's the situation. Jerusalem's surrounded by the Assyrian soldiers, Jerusalem is ready to be conquered. But Hezekiah, you know what he does? He, he's, he knows how to be still before the Lord. And what he does, he takes this letter that, that Sennacherib wrote, and he goes into the temple, and he lays it out before God. And he says, God, look what Sennacherib is saying about you. I'm just praying that you do something. Will you do something? And you know what's, what's amazing is that Hezekiah, he didn't try to muster up his army and say, okay, we're going to go fight, and we're going to conquer them. He didn't try to come up with this great plan of how he's going to escape from Jerusalem. He just went into the temple. He was still before the Lord. He laid out this letter and said, God, will you do something? Will you, will you take care of this situation, this, this king who's defaming you? And you know what ended up happening? He prayed that, and the next morning when he woke up, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers were dead, and they were gathered outside Jerusalem's wall. And God had conquered them. I want you to listen to uh, Psalm, uh, 2 Kings 19, verses 10 to 19, and just listen to this account in 2 Kings 19, verse 10. This is what it says. It says, King Sennacherib said this, Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely, and will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my forefathers deliver them? The gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvim, or of Hena, or Iva? Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. And listen to this. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open our eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. 
for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are God. And as we know, overnight, that God answered Hezekiah's prayer. In verse 14, remember it says he took the letter, laid it out before the Lord. He asked the Lord to deliver them, and, and he did. And look at verses 32 to 36 and how God delivered him. It says, therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter the city or shoot an arrow there. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. He will defend the city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. And that night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. And if you go back to Psalm 46, verses 7 and 11, they say the same thing. Verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I want to ask you, what's the situation in your life? What's the letter of, that's threatening you? And I want to encourage you this afternoon, when you go home, to take that, just as Hezekiah did, and kind of go before the Lord like that letter and lay it before the Lord. And God, will you take care of this situation? Will you destroy this enemy in my life? Or will you strengthen me in this situation? I have a friend from high school, and uh, her name was Ra. And uh, I, on several occasions, um, I shared with her um, the gospel, but she didn't come to know Jesus um, right away. But 12 years later, um, she placed her trust in Christ because I received this phone call from her on uh, New Year's Eve, and, uh, and she said she had just trusted Christ two months before that. It was in 1998. And uh, then uh, I kind of lost touch with her for a few years, and then just a few years ago, again, uh, we, we got in contact with each other. She called me, and she told me this incredible story and it illustrates the, the idea of God being exalted. Um, you see, Ra worked for a social, social service agency in the city of Detroit. And her job as a social worker was uh, to help families that had special needs. Uh, it was about Christmas time. It was a Saturday, and Christmas was on a Tuesday. And she received this, this call on 9 a.m. on Saturday. And this call was from this, this single mom um, she had five children, and she, she wasn't able to celebrate Christmas or give her kids anything for Christmas for the past seven years because of an abusive relationship that she was in. So she said, Ra, can, can you please help me out? So for the next eight hours of that Saturday, Ra, she was on the phone. She was calling different agencies t- to ask for help. Because it was a Saturday, a lot of these agencies were already closed. Because it was only three days before Christmas, a lot of other agencies were out of toys. Uh, nothing Ra was doing was working. So Ra was sitting in her, in her cubicle desk, and she stopped what she was doing. She got really quiet, and she prayed. And this is what she said. She talked to Jesus and said, Lord, I know that you see the need in this mom's life. I ask that you just blow me away. Their lives are in your hands. What happened on Christmas morning, the fire department showed up three days before that on Saturday. They didn't have any toys, and they showed up with a bunch of toys. Ra told one of her friends in Michigan about this, this mom's situation. And this friend in Michigan spoke to her husband, and they sent this mom a $300 gift card to Target. 
Roz, the same friend that she talked to, her, her friend's sister-in-law, happened um, to live in Washington, D.C. area, and she stopped by on Christmas Day with two weeks' worth of groceries. And Roz found that this mom who had nothing, that she re- so, received so much that this mom was actually able to go and give st- stuff and help other people out on that Christmas morning. And what Rod did after that, she wrote a note to this mom, and she, and she prayed. She said, I, I hope that you know and would experience the love of God, and by receiving these gifts, that you would come to, to have, put your faith and trust in Jesus alone and celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. You know, if God hears the prayers of my friend Ra, who prayed on behalf of this mom, this five-year-old, then won't he also hear your and my prayers and, and blow us away? And you know what the end result is? Again, it's not that we're comfortable or protected, but it's so that God would be exalted, right? And just as verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the reason why God does these things is for his glory. So I just want to leave this with you this morning. When your world is falling apart, I want to encourage you to do three things. To run to God for shelter. To recognize how God is at work around you. And lastly, to rest in God's presence. Let's pray. Guys, thank you so much for your word. Um, You know that uh, life is is challenging at times, but we know that you're always with us and that you live inside of us. I pray, Lord, that Psalm 46 would penetrate our hearts and that we would apply these truths to our lives today and throughout this week. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.